So you want to talk about ownership. That I went, even at that moment, I still got out and relapsed. I still went through that hell. But it was at that moment that I realized, holy shit, I'm a liar. Holy shit, I'm a fraud. Holy shit, I've been running. Holy shit, the, peop- the, the people that love me don't really love me. They fear me. Everything about me is fake. Everything about my life is a lie. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how fucking many girlfriends you had, how many cars you drive. You are a fucking liar. Welcome to the Superhuman Life. I'm your host, Frank Rich, and this is the only podcast in the world dedicated to helping men break free from the shackles of addiction through the power of faith and fitness. It is our goal with every episode to help you take back control and rebuild your body, mind, and spirit. And we do so by bringing you real and raw conversations with people just like you, aiming to find their place in this world while dealing with the everyday struggles and battles that we all face. Now, it is my belief that we were all created for a specific purpose. And if we can harness that belief or faith, then take control of our mind and body or fitness, then we can ultimately create the life that we've always dreamed about, our own superhuman life. I want to let you know how grateful and blessed I am to have you here with me today. Let's get on to today's show. Your host, Frank Rich. And guys, I can't tell you, extremely fired up and just honored to be bringing today's episode to you. My guest, which I'll get to introducing here in a minute, um, he's lived a life. He's lived, let's be honest, when you hear a story, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna realize that this dude has lived multiple lives and success, highs, lows, failures, losing it all, coming back. You know, that's going to be at the core of what we're talking about today is, is creating and writing your own comeback story. Um, so you guys are going to get a ton out of today's conversation. So if this is your first time tuning in, first of all, I want to welcome you to the Superman Life and kind of share with you a little bit about what we are about, as you heard in the intro here. Uh, we are the only podcast in the world dedicated to helping men break free from the shackles of addiction through the power of faith and fitness. So if you're here with us the first time, Welcome. Thank you so much for giving us your ear and tuning in. Hope you find tremendous value in today's conversation. And for you guys that are returning back, you guys are in store for an amazing conversation today, jam-packed with value, jam-packed with lessons learned. Uh, and, And hopefully this one stretches you to grow and step into an uncomfort place for you. So Without further ado, let me get into to introducing our guest. Our guest is the CEO and founder of IamAComeback.com. He is somebody that has been on a journey, like I said, lived multiple lifetimes. You're going to hear this through his story, so I'm not going to give you too much on who he is, but it is Mark Jennison, founder and CEO of I Am A Comeback, which is a business and coaching operation service that's dedicated to helping men gain control of their alcohol and of their drinking. And really the core messaging of what we want to get you guys, and you'll hear this in his story and you'll hear us with some back and forth dialogue in the conversation. You guys heard me talk a lot about this uh, when it's relating to, to the addiction side of things. It's you are not sick. You do not have a disease. Addiction is a choice. Addiction is a series of your habits and routines and decisions that you have made that have taken control over you. So we want you to know that you have the power, you have the control to to take it back, to take control of your life and ultimately create, as I like to say, your own superhuman life. You know, some of the things that Mark and I talk about, it's, it, it, it comes down to that choice thing, which um, as you'll hear us drop in the podcast later on, Mark's brand new book is available. 
It's not a disease. It's a choice. So if you guys are interested in picking that up after hearing the conversation, make sure to tap that link down there below and pick yourself up a copy of his new book and support him and what he's doing. So we talk about how you have the power and the ability to make the right choices in your life. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to ownership, extreme ownership, accountability, manning up, owning up, taking responsibility for who you are. Guys, this is something I talk a lot about. It's the small choices and decisions that you make on a daily habit or you make on a daily uh, routine that dictate who it is that, that you become. You guys hear me talk a lot about becoming the person that is no longer addicted to pornography or becoming the person that's no longer addicted to social media, or becoming the person that's no longer addicted to alcohol, or becoming the person that's no longer addicted to whatever it is that you're struggling with in your life. Um, in order to become this new person, to become, in order to grow into this new individual, in order to step into your greatness, you have to take ownership. You have to take accountability for where you are right now. And guys, at, at the core of everything today in, in, in our conversation with Mark, I think that is really the core message that we're trying to get to you. Um, and like you, like you guys know, if you've been here before and for you guys that this is your first time checking, checking us out, one of my goals is to never filter a guest. I want people to be true to who they are. I want them to be transparent in how they think, how they act, how they operate, and how they speak. So with that in mind, uh, a conversation that Mark and I had prior to hitting record um, is he shared with me, he's like, dude, I just want to let you know, uh, when I start get passionate about some of the things that I'm sharing and in, in, in when I'm really talking about what lights me up, this is Mark speaking, what really lights me up is I have a tendency to, to swear. I have a tendency to use curse words. Um, and he asked me, he's like, are you okay with that? And I was like, brother, I don't want you to limit who you are. So guys, if you are offended uh, by swear words, maybe not be the episode for you to listen to. Um, and also if, 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 if you're with your kids, if, you know, if, if typically you like to listen to this in the car, uh, you, you, you like to share some of the episodes uh, with your children, may not be the right episode. I, I would say maybe listen to it first. Uh, but like I said, guys, it, it is always my goal with every single guest that I bring on that I give them the platform to demonstrate who they are. Um, the podcast is about sharing their message raw and real conversations with those who have overcome struggles, overcome challenges, overcome setbacks in their life and are now living a superhuman life. So that's at the core message of everything that I'm trying to do with this podcast. I just wanted to put that out there for you guys. If that is something that offends you, you're forewarned, be pre-warned that, that, that it is coming. Um, but guys, this, this was an amazing conversation like I said, Mark has lived a life and, and we really get into his story, building a $75 million a year company, losing it all, building another company, losing it again, starting another business, losing it again, uh, which ultimately has led him to the work that he is doing now, which is another multi-million dollar business, specifically in the health and coaching space, uh, helping guys take control of their drinking and other alcohol. So awesome, awesome conversation. There's going to be so much for you guys to, to walk away with on accountability, on control, on faith, having belief in yourself, having a belief in something that you cannot see. Um, incredible, incredible conversation, guys. I know you guys are going to love this. So you know the conversation here, but as we do with every single episode, my just one ask for you, as this is, uh, podcast is free, we do not take on sponsorships. We do not take on endorsements. Simply a mission to get a message out into the world 
And one thing that you can do to help us continue to grow this reach, to grow the network of people that we have in here, is do us these two things. If you're first time listening, you have not done so yet, make sure to hit that subscribe button, whether you're listening there on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to us right now. Secondly, as you listen to Mark's story, as you kind of get through this conversation, begin thinking about the people in your life. Begin thinking about the people in your network and in, in your circle uh, that this can resonate with, whether it's Mark's story, whether it's some of the tactical advice that we're sharing, whether it's a part of my story that's shared in this. Think of that one person in your world uh, that maybe needs to hear this message right now. And if you could do this a favor, if you could just share this episode with one person, uh, that would mean the absolute world to me. But I hope you guys are holding up as this episode is released. We are still in the quarantine. We are in the coronavirus lockdown. So praying for you guys. Want to hear how you're doing. So send me a message on Instagram. Send me an email. What's an update, man? How are you guys holding up? I know it's. I know this thing is stretching, stretching out longer than I think many of us anticipated it was going to be. So... Mark and I talk about that at the beginning of the uh, beginning of the episode. Some things that you can do right now uh, to keep yourself in a productive place. Um, if you're looking for a full episode, go back two episodes and and, and listen to uh, the talk on compounding your efforts in a short window of time. Maybe shift your paradigm. Maybe change your perspective on how to maximize your time right now. Uh, so go back. That's two episodes ago. Uh, compounding your efforts in a short amount of time. But without further ado, guys, let's jump into the episode today, taking accountability and a story of building a comeback with Mark Jennison. Love you guys. I'll see you on the other side. All right, Mark Jennison, welcome to the Superhuman Life, brother. How you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? Good, man. Good. How's uh, how's quarantine life up in uh, Wisconsin treating you? Be straight up honest with you, it hasn't changed much for me, man. Um, but what I realized about this was when you're on a mission to change and impact lives, and you're so fucking focused on what you do every mm. day, nothing really stops you, right? So I've got three kids and a, and a beautiful wife, so it's a little difficult for them. But for me, man, it's I'm actually working out more. I'm working harder. We're changing more lives. And um, I, the only thing I can't do is go to the gym. Other than that, it's, you know, that's it, man. Amen, man. I, I, I 100% resonate with that right now. Like when you're so clearly focused on what it is you're trying to do, something like this can actually be a blessing because it's like, okay, remove all the distractions and let me just hit clearly focus on on what I'm trying to do. Have Have there been any hacks that you have found that have been, you know, things that you've added 
into your day or into your routine to, to, to help and combat at this time? Absolutely, man. So everything that you're going to, you're going to notice uh, on the theme of the podcast as you go through this, I'm big on believing that everything is your choice, right? Mm. It's a choice to drink, not to drink. It's a choice to fucking work out or not work out. It's a choice to love your wife the way she wants to be loved or not. It's, it's fucking choice, right? Yep. So when I look at this going through it, like I know my mental health, I know I've been doing this for a long time. I know who I am. I know what I want. I know why I want it. Right. So yep. when I looked at this for myself, I broke down everything I was doing in my non-negotiables, everything in my standards of my life that I live in. And I said, okay, man, I'm, this is what I've been doing in the world. Now I'm going to go down. I can't go do what's external, but I can do what's internal. So one of the things I did was, um, I'm sure you're familiar with 75 hard. Yes, sir. That, yep. Right? Big Andy. So I, I, yeah. Yeah. So, so I like, I, I took what he does. I'd already been doing most of it. So I said, how can I actually double that? So I'll, I'll add four workouts or extra walks. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it's, I was already doing most of that already. So that was a big one for me. The other thing was really kind of looking at what about, what do I suck at? inside of my business or what am I not very good at? Like I'm good at leading. I'm good at coaching. I can, I can enroll people. I can whatever, like I'm, I'm good at. That's easy. So I went and said, what do I suck at? I need to be better at copywriting. Mm. I need to be better at uh, learning some of these tech skills that I just don't necessarily know how to do. I'm fucking 40 years old. <laughs> I don't love doing it. So what I did is I went and I picked apart every step of my life and I started making that better, started working on that. And then inside of it to pass time. Like I'm fortunate. I have a massive audience of people that I talk to every day. Mm -hmm. I said, what other value, what other knowledge can I share with these people? So I went, and I created new streams of income. I created other things that I could do for myself. And then most importantly, what I really did was pay attention to my wife and pay attention to my kids. So, um, you can't see it behind me, but I'm at home today and I got a barn okay. right up on top of the roof. We're building up. Her mental health is struggling a little bit right now. Just, just because quarantine life's tough for her. Yeah. So I said last night, fuck it. I got contractors coming and building a full gym. So, so I'm making sure that I take care of my family. So that's, that's what I do. That's, that's amazing, man. And, and a couple of things you said there, like one thing I've, 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 I've loved this week at prepping for you, you know, you and I didn't like, we didn't connect until like a handful of days ago, been following you. I don't, I don't even, somebody asked me earlier this week, um, as I was sharing some of the notes, actually my girlfriend, uh, I'm like, dude, this guy, Mark, man, you're like, I shared with you before we, we got on, man, you just inspired me. She's like, well, how did you find this guy? And to be honest, like, I don't remember exactly where I stumbled across your stuff, but, um, been seeing your stuff flowing on social, been getting your ads was on your site. Like I just, I felt like you are a, you and I are very similar from our stories, which I definitely want to get into here in a minute, but to kind of our mindsets and philosophies. So talking about the additional stream of income, talking about put priority um, into your family and your relationships. I mean, those are literally the two most recent episodes. So going back two episodes, talked about um, using this time right now and the compound effects that can come out of it. So really condensing your time, focused work right now, how that can pay off over the course of the next few months, years, by really getting focused on stuff right now. I, I just launched a, a, a new business and, and I'm working on rolling out another company as well. So right there in line with you. And then, and then last week's episode um, was all on parenting, kids, emotional intelligence. So 100%, I think we're definitely, definitely in line here. Um, I'll tell you so a I, funny story real quick. I'll tell you a funny story about, uh, about the whole quarantine thing. So the guy, as I've grown from just kind of doing what you were doing, five years ago, right? Like getting my message out and podcasts and getting out of people's podcasts and creating this brand and all yeah. the shit we'll get into. 
I don't do any of the Facebook ads anymore. I don't do any of that stuff. I've got a guy that does them. Okay. Um, his name is Jeremy Haynes. He put a post out, a tweet out um, that said, if you don't come out of this quarantine better than you failed or something like that to that effect. So it went completely fucking viral, right? That Forbes even wrote a mag, wrote something in his, his, in their magazine about him. Okay. Like saying that, saying that it's the wrong way. He's got the wrong mentality that all the way we just mentioned Andy Frisella and even Andy Frisella then mentioned his tweet on there. So it's, to be clear on this quarantine thing, if you're going into this, no matter who you are, whether you're listening to this podcast now or down the road as you're coming out of this, you need to be fucking doing something every day for yourself to make yourself be better. If you're not, you're failing all that matters, your faith, your family, your fitness, everything about you. So. Absolutely, man. Um, so, so, so we jumped into a lot. I, you know, like we, we jumped right into some, some back and forth here and, and people now at this point, as they're listening to this, they're like, damn, this guy, Mark, like he's, He's in your face. He's bold. He's sharp. Um, obviously, we we haven't talked a lot about the I am a comeback and the whole mission behind your your brand and your business. I want to get into that stuff, uh, but let's take people back back to you know not not the beginning, but but let's lay the foundation for what it is you're you're doing now. I mean, I I know the story. I know that there's been many many peaks and some some very very low valleys. Um, and I know what you're doing now is probably at its core the biggest uh, thing that you feel that, that you've done. I mean, outside of millions, you know, close to hundreds of millions of dollars, I think you had a business that was doing in, in revenue. I know the impact that you're having in guys' lives right now just from hearing you speak for a few minutes here today, but really diving deep into it. I know that this is at the core of who you are. But let's go back to the previous version of Mark uh, because I don't think that was always the case. And let's just, you know... I don't want to draw this out too, too long, but I want to set the precedence on who you are, where you've been through, because I think there's so much power um, in, a, in a person's story and journey, and we can pull a lot, uh, but really, I want to lay the foundation. So, you know, what, what has been your story? What has led you to the point where today you are leading this massive global movement of I Am A Comeback? So we, I mean we could get into that and it's a long fucking story truthfully. Yeah. Right. And I'd be honestly, if I just told the story, cause I do this all the time um, or I did it all the time, it takes yeah. an hour, an hour and a half to get you the, the legit okay. story. So I'll give you a cliff notes. Um, yeah. I'm 39 years, 39 years old right now. I'll be 40 here in about a month. Fuck, I'm getting old. Um, I started drinking at uh, 14 years old. Uh, my parents got divorced. We had a, we had a, you, you, you mentioned sports, right? Kind of mm-hmm. got a phone call before we started doing this. Um, traditionally, like I'm not a, a team sports guy. Um, I was more of a, you know, fighting and, and motocross and skiing and, and like the individual shit. And that's kind of what my family was built upon. But, but even growing up, we didn't have a ton of money came from not much. Right. I told you earlier, I was pretty much born and moved into a trailer park. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parents split at 14. We won't talk too much about that. At 14 years old, my brother, who went on to pursue being a professional motocrosser, my dad took him. He was 12. He took him, and they went. They basically left, right? They just okay. left because of what was going on. My mom then was able to have freedom for the first time in her life, right? So so she went out. She went the other way. She started doing things that didn't matter inside of her. Like I shouldn't say didn't matter, but she was doing things for her and not, not working, not taking care of me the way that I needed to be taken care of. So I went on my own, and I, just, I decided to do uh, – do whatever it was I wanted to do. So at the age of 14 years old, I just didn't give a fuck. Mm. Okay. So I'm not going to bore you with, with what happened there. But like you said, I started drinking at 14. Next thing you know, I'm fucking doing cocaine. Um, 
marijuana was never my thing, but it was drinking cocaine, partying. I was inside of the bars fighting grown men, grown men at 14, 15 years old. Like that, like that's the life that I lived in Wisconsin here. My uncle, who was basically like the dad, the pillar of life that I had, he also showed me, he showed me how to make money. He also showed me how to fucking go out and have a good time. So mm. associated drinking, drinking became power mm. with, with drinking. I could go in, I could, I would fight people. I would lose the inhibitions. I would meet women that I shouldn't have 14, 15 years old be hanging out with 22, 20. Like it was a fucking mess, right? It was a chaotic. So anyways, my, my, my teens into my 19, 20 years old was really just pretty much just partying, just like any normal kid, not really have any direction. Um, I was homeless throughout high school. I slept in my truck, kind of just did what I needed to do to go. The only reason I went, cause there was fucking meals there. Um, about 19 years old, I started dating a girl, worked multiple jobs. She fucking broke my heart. And I decided that I was going to move to Southern California. Mm. Right. So, so I'm, we go back to that motocross thing. Um, I could go on about that story when I was young. There's a lot of pain inside of there, but I want to get to the point. I'd already built this fucking knack for being able to out drink everybody to be crazy, to do all that stuff. Right. It became my identity mm. who I was. So here I am. She broke my heart. She was, I was working two, three jobs at the time, giving her all the money. And she went and became a stripper, right? Here's, that's why I say that's very important. And it broke my heart. I'm like, well, fuck. So I went and I decided I'm going to leave. Like we broke up, leave her. I go to Southern California. I actually got in a fight right around that time. I got beat up in this fight, right? This is why I tell this. And I got thrown over this balcony and broke my leg after getting beat up. So here I am coming on almost Christmas Eve. Um, I was 20 years old. I think it was 20 and it's almost Christmas Eve. And I decided to move to Southern, move to Southern California. I've got $120 to my name. That's it. I got a hot paint cast on my right leg. I got a, a regular cab Chevy S10 pickup. My shit in the back. I have to drive with my left foot, you know, because I because my leg couldn't yeah. do the gas. And I decide I'm going to move to Southern California. I take off. I got no family. I got no money. I got no friends. I got no fucking nothing. I moved to Southern California. It's funny. I, I'm driving across the country. I was stealing gas. This is back when you could do that. It was before like it is right now because I didn't have enough money. So I mean, certain times, like I just, what I would do is I'd go and I'd fucking kind of check it out. I'd gas and go and I'd take off. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do what I needed to do to survive, right? I didn't even have a cell phone. So I make it all the way to Southern California. It's almost Christmas Eve. My fuel filter, my fuel pump goes out in my truck. So here I'm crutching down the highway. No money, no nothing. The cops come and get me. And luckily some guy, some guy fixes it for me over, uh, over Christmas. The reason I say that is because there's all, all these little blessings amidst the mm. chaos that's always going on. So I want people to understand as they're listening, like the signs and some of the shit that you're not really seeing right at this moment is stuff that can make you and shape you become the man you want to be. So anyways, I go to Southern California. I have no job. Um, I, I go back to the motocross thing. I decided that um, I was going to go get a job in the industry. So I did. I interviewed. I interviewed. I interviewed. I couldn't get a job. Couldn't get a job. Sleeping in my truck, drinking, partying, still, still like going into bars, stealing money off of the bar after, or playing pool for money. Like it was just a fucking hectic life. And I was just a kid, right? And um, I finally got a job at Pro Circuit, uh, which is in the motorcycle industry. It's a it's a premier place, right? Okay. I was just cleaning bathrooms and answering the phone. But I didn't care. I was making six fifty an hour. At this time, I was sleeping inside of my truck, and I was I, I didn't know what I was gonna do. The reason I tell this is because life, like I said, is just fucking chaotic. And up to that point, I wasn't the man I am right now, but I was setting the seed, setting mm -hmm. and sowing and reaping the, the, the chaos that I was ensuing in my life. Okay. 
So I go in, I get this job. Um, I decide, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to work very hard, but I'm also going to be known for like, cause I can fight. I can fucking, I, I can work hard. So I work my way up and I become like pretty much the son of the most powerful man inside of the industry. Took me fishing, did all these great things for me. Right. He took me under his wing, became a mentor to me. He was a real prick, but he was all, but a prick by work. But at nighttime, six o'clock, we'd start cracking beers. The reason that we got, got to know each other so well is because I was always, I was always able to drink beer. I was all, <laughs> I had no, no wife. I had no kid. I had nothing. I was just a kid. So anyways, I, I rose the, I, I rose up the, the ladder. I climbed the ladder of success within that company, started doing more things, stayed there for a few years. What happened though? is the drinking then turned into, you know, I remember the cocaine issues. So I'd go out, I'd do my, do my life at night or do my life at work. And then I'd go out at night mm. and I do cocaine. And then finally, after a little bit, a little while, all of a sudden the cocaine wasn't around. It became meth. Like I remember, I remember the night the dude's like, man, I don't have any blow, but I got this, I got the speed, right? I got this, I got this. You want to try it out? And I'm like, fuck it. Next thing I know, it had overtook my life. And here's the thing about it. I could do more on it. Like I, the truth is no bullshit. I was better on it until I wasn't. And that's just the way it was. I was sharper. I was clearer. I fucking could work longer. I could work harder. I was more fun. Everything about my life was better. And till it fucking wasn't. And then what happened is I, I rose up that success ladder. I started deteriorating, started dropping. So here I am making money, fine, like not, not a huge amount of money, but getting known inside of magazines a couple times getting to know all these professional athletes and people that are depending on me. And I start living the double life. The double life then gets too much. Then what happens is my best friend, Christmas Eve, 2005 dies in a car accident, drinking and driving. So as my life's unraveling, I feel lost for the first time in my family for the first time in my life. He's dead. I go off the deep end the fucking drugs become more prevalent. Like I was already fucked up, but then they already really start. They really start getting deeper at this point, because from what it sounds like, it, it, it sounds like up until here, you've used alcohol and drugs almost in more of a fun enjoyment type of way. Would, would, would this say Absolutely. that the, the first time that you maybe turn to it more as a coping to suppress a feeling and, and, and to run from yeah. things or are, are you still getting you know, enjoyment out of, getting him. I was still getting enjoyment in hindsight. I got enjoyment for many years after this, bro. I remember at that time, 2005, I was only 25 years old. I didn't even get this shit under control until I was 35. Got it. I had 10 more years of that. So, but to answer your question, I was coping the whole time. I just didn't know that I was coping. Okay. Right? I didn't know. I didn't know that I was hurt when my dad left. I didn't know that, that the, the abuse, the words, the shit that I've been through, the divorce, I didn't know those pains were hurting me. I just thought because I could drink more, I could fight more. I could fucking do whatever I wanted. I was a badass. It was fake confidence, mm. right? It became my identity. So anyways, so he dies. I, pull, I go off the, I go off the deep end. Um, remember that uncle, this is very important. So he yeah. dies in 05, my buddy, my uncle who raised me was always there for me. Um, so I go off the deep end. My brother books me a flight and say, Hey, you need to come home. Your uncle, your uncle has cancer. Okay. You need to fly home as the guy is the, the closest man in my life. So I'm struggling with math at this time. I flew home with six grams of meth, electrical tape to the inside of an axe spray bottle. I chopped it all up, pulled the top off the axe, the axe spray bottle, put it inside there, put it back together, 
and fucking flew home with it. I, and here's the thing. It took me, I missed the first flight. Cause I, I remember I went to the airport. I was getting off the plane. I was getting out to go in to get checked my bag. Here comes the police with the dogs. I freak out and I got on a taxi and I went back, smoked it all, got more and then did it the next day. So, anyway, so remember that. So that's where my life is. And that's, and then I'm getting off on the fact that I got away with it when I get home. So I get home to Wisconsin. Remember I'm in California. So I get back to mm-hmm. Wisconsin. And my brother's like, Hey, how much of that shit you got? And I kind of like, I didn't know that everybody knew, but I was also so fucked up. that I didn't care that anybody knew. So I told him and he said, well, cool. I only got a one way ticket for you. Basically you're staying here. So at that point, my car, my, my money, my bank accounts, everything that I had out there, my job, everything was unraveling for the first time in my life. I was losing it, but didn't even realize that I lost, like it was happening without, without it. I could have went back. Right. But I was not in control. So anyways, you get back to Wisconsin. There's not a lot of math here. So what I did was I traded the math and I had no job anymore. I had no direction after basically two weeks where I slept it off. Couldn't even get up anymore. I basically started drinking two bottles of Captain Morgan's a day. And my, one of my friends or people, I would, I would do cocaine all day long. I just switched it right back to what it was. Mm. So that's 2006, 2006, almost 2007. So I'd been at it now in Southern California for six years about, I come home to Wisconsin, my uncle who's fighting the cancer. He also owns a small trucking company. Um, it's in shambles because he was battling that shit for three years, okay? He ends up beating the cancer. I started helping him out a little bit. I'm going back. I'm hanging out with him. It, it's felt good to be home. I, he knew I was drinking. Everyone knew what I was up to. But anyways, he gets a clean bill of health on a Friday from his cancer, and he dies on a Wednesday on his motorcycle. He goes out and uh, drinking and riding his bike. Mm. He ends up um, – so that floors me, right? Like that's – there I am feeling with loss again and I'm still fucked up and, and dealing with the grieving for my family and everything. And he was kind of the rock that kept everybody together. My family is very, very, uh, doesn't function well together as it is still right now today. Mm-hmm. But when he was alive, he fucking did it. Like we got together at his house. We did Christmas. He, he did barbecue, everything we did. He, he was the leader. So it, it was a big blow for me. And, um, you know, he was, I consider him more my dad than my dad. So he died, and here I am dealing with that loss again. On top of Jimmy's loss, that was two years before that, plus the loss of the de- of my life in California mm. and all these pains. All of a sudden, I got all these compounding fucking things going on. But I make a decision, a choice, right? I made a choice. At this point, I'm going to make my uncle proud. He's dead. I go into his business, and I try to save it. I know nothing about trucking, nothing about transportation. I hadn't really worked because I was just fucked up. So I walk in to the business. I look at it. I give it a few, I think it was a couple months. I tried to fix it, rectify what was going on. And there was just no saving it. So I go to, I I know nothing about trucking. I say, you know what? I'm going to make you proud. I'm going to go, I'm going to start a new company. So I get one of the truck drivers to believe in me. I get myself, I go and I start a new LLC. I walk into the clients that he had and I sell them drunk, a little bit drunk and fucked up. They don't know that, but I go in and I sell them on me. They take a chance in me. And from nothing, I, I, I then take control of this this account mm. and there's not not one semi an account not making a ton of money i'll fast forward what happened that was 2007 from 2007 to 2013 i grew that trucking company from one one truck myself a couple you know a couple of people helped me out to 43 semis 78 employees uh brokerage company multiple warehouses i grew i grew it into multi-millions of dollars however the drugs the lies the hiding the sedation increased more money creates more problems 
right? You mentioned, you mentioned something about uh, spending a few thousand dollars at the strip club, like, like in your journey. Mm. I spent one night in Las Vegas, $85,000 at Screaming Rhino. Wow. Don't remember, don't remember anything of it. Stupid shit like that, right? Because I thought everything I touched turned to gold. So as I'm building this company, it's crazy. I'd snore cocaine all day. I'd get up in the morning. I'd, I'd build it and money would come rolling in. Money would come rolling in. Money would come rolling in. I would work and work and work. And finally it got to the point where I started making some real bad decisions. Yeah. Putting people in people inside of my business that shouldn't be in my business, buying and diversifying until the next thing you know, I basically pushed myself out and lost that business. You know, this is, this is, this is something I want to get, I want to get back to this, but I want to, um, I, re- I want to kind of focus in on something here. I've heard you, I've heard you talk about the life that you lived. It's, it's, it's here in your, your mission on your, um, on your Facebook page. You know, I've lived a not so average life. I've also heard you um, in, in some of your audios and videos talk about, you know, in your previous life, but so, you know, just air quoting previous life. Cause you're, you're, you're still living the same life, but your previous journey that you lived the life that a lot of guys dream or aspire to have, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of young guys listening to this right now, or maybe there's somebody in somebody's life that's hearing this, that they are that young guy. They're, they're in their early twenties, maybe coming into a little bit of financial success right now. And, you know, this is something I think that's advertised to a lot of us men. It's like the life that you want to live is get financially successful, make some money, then start partying. You know, the trip to Vegas, like 85 K there's gonna be a guy out there like, dude, that's awesome. What do you say to the young guy right now that is aspiring to live that journey? Because you've been through it. You know what the other side looks like. And now you're on this whole new mission. So, so what do you say to that young guy that's out there right now? It's like, dude, man, like I want to go drop six figures in a weekend in Las Vegas. I want to go to this. I want to, you know, you you, you, you get what I'm saying? There's a lot of guys that are, that are dreaming about this life. I'll tell you this, man, the windfall of money at an age, if you've never been able to handle money is fucking difficult. So before you go and get it, think about if you really truly want it. Now, Mm. if you want it, go get it. Now, here's the other thing. If you're going to do that, expect it to come with repercussions. You can't do those things that I did. Look at, look at, look at, um, the Wolf of Wall Street, very similar life that we live. Very, very similar. He made more money, but those things you see on side of that video are things, there's things in that video without saying too much in detail that I lived and done in my life. Mm. Like that, that was it. And, and, um, so the guy that's out there that wants to do that, you need to listen to the rest of my story here because it gets worse. But what I want him to understand is if you're going to do that, then you better have the fucking balls to know that if you wreck it, you've got to get back up and fucking do it again. Mm. Because that's what it is. Some guys get away with it, but I guarantee you, I work with thousands of men, successful guys, much more successful than myself, that I'm saving their businesses. I'm saving their relationships. I'm saving their kids, their lives, because they fucking went after that same life that I did. Maybe not to the extreme that I did, but it doesn't matter. Okay. The money's not what creates success. It sounds cool, but success is what you do. Like my daughter riding her skateboard right now, being able to do this thing, that's success. So I, w- I would, I would encourage the guys out there that are young, go fucking do it. Like go create the money, go work. Mm. Don't ever fucking look back on it. But just make sure that every decision, every choice that you make, you understand comes with a consequence. Love it. Love it. So, so awesome. So, so 2007, 2013, one to 43 trucks, 70 employees, Tens of millions of dollars in revenue. Where do, where do we go? Because I know, I know that it goes, uh, yeah. goes down a little bit from here. So here's what happened. So the decisions I made started really impacting my life. Um, we were 
because there was a time in 2009 when I was growing the business and I remember I didn't know anything about it. I had somebody come in and kind of embezzle from me and put me in a tax situation. Well, I didn't know anything about tax at the time. I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't have the money to fix it. I did, but I didn't, right? I was spending mm. it on other things and I should have been fixing it until it eventually caught up for me. So from 2009 to 2013, I was trying to fix things and run it and do whatever, still grow the business. I got into bed with some other people, was buying out some plastic division scrap companies, like diversifying my portfolio, thinking about ways, instead of just fixing the problem, thinking about ways to grow and mm. create more money. What happened was basically, and here's the thing, right before I fucking lost everything, I'd signed a $27 million contract for Generac Power Systems, right? So things were about to fucking blow up uh, even better than they were. However, I decided to take my then wife and my, my son on a vacation to Jamaica. And um, I spent like 27 grand for this vacation. We're going to go away for a couple of weeks. And it was right after I signed the contract. I was, everything was going to be good. The day before we left, I pull into my driveway and I get a call from the IRS that says, hey, you've got 30 days to figure this out or we're fucking taking everything. And I'm like, fuck, right? So, so I go and I'm, I could have went inside and canceled the vacation. In hindsight, I should have done that. But I'm like, nah, I got this, man. I'm the man. I can fucking do it. So instead, I grab a beer, walk inside, act like everything's okay, go on a vacation in, in Jamaica. About three, four, five days in, the stress from that new contract I signed, everything's rolling. All of a sudden, I implode. The next thing I know, I find myself in Jamaica, checked off the trek, like away from the, the hotel, out living in the jungle for a few days, the only white dude around, spending money, like getting money wired from, from my bookkeeper so I have money down there doing cocaine like it was fucking dangerous i'm out in the jungle with no running water wow so i could so i come back to the apartment i come back to the condo and obviously my my then wife at the time we we didn't like each other as it was but i was trying to trying to be there for my son we go home and my whole world explodes it just implodes i should say like it's just fucking over she takes him i don't see him the business stress i was gone for those two weeks so i only now have 14 days to fix the irs issues and I'm still trying, I'm still trying, but I'm going deeper and deeper and deeper down that hole. Cocaine, fueled, alcohol, not knowing what to do, lying to the world, basically saying everything's going to be okay until mm -hmm. guess what? It wasn't okay. So that was in like, I don't remember what the date we went to, went to uh, Jamaica, but it was May 15th, 2013. I basically went from being successful to broke again, like overnight. My house is getting, my house is still there. I've got, I've got some cash in it saved in a safe, selling my cars, selling my dirt bike or my, my motorcycle, selling my hot tub, my mountain bikes, right? But at all the time, I'm watching him go, yet here I am still fucking face down a plate of cocaine, still drinking, still lying, but depressed as you could, could imagine, right? So as I'm losing everything, I made a bad decision as well. Like all the contracts I had just signed, I thought there was going to be a guy that was going to help me. I went and I signed everything over to him and he fucked me. He took everything. My brother had to go, like all my, all the people that worked for me in that 78 employees were my brother, my best friends, my cousin, like it was everybody I cared about. Mm -hmm. So he didn't need them. Either. He took everything and I was out to dry. So I went, as you can imagine, I went pretty deep into a suicidal dark, like my life's over at that time. I'm only at that time. I'm only 33 years old, right? Yeah. 32, 33 years old. I was 32 about to turn 33. So I remember, I remember after that, I'm, I'm going through it. I don't care. I'm drinking. Everybody hates me. I'm writing a suicide letter to my, to my son. I have a $3 million life insurance policy. I figured that life's better for him without me. And um, I remember the sweat and laying on my bed and I was withdrawn and just sick. And, I, and I, 
I heard a voice. You can call it God. You can call it whatever you want. And basically said, you need to fucking do something. So I got up and I pulled myself together enough to not kill myself. Mm. Um, and decided, and, and it was just a struggle. Um, and then I went and I went through a couple more days and then it came back. The, the, the suicide thoughts came back and finally this time I couldn't really do it. Right. So I went down, I told my mom, I'm done. I'm checking out. I'm checking out from here. Like she was living still in the house. My house is empty. She's on one side. She's fucking depressed, scared, anxiety, doesn't know what to do. I'm still going like a banshee out of hell, like partying like every day, like it didn't matter. And at this point it's not fun, but I still think it's fun because when you get fucked up enough, you, you forget about it. Mm. So I wake up suicidal. I tell her I'm done. Next thing you know, she puts me on suicide watch. Um, and we go down. A couple of my friends come over. We go down to uh, the local bar. I need to get some food. By this time, I've had some Coors Lights. I've had a margarita. had a couple things inside of me. It's a hot day. Uh, it, was, it was Father's Day. I wasn't able to see my son. I'm like, you know what? I got this. I can do it tomorrow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get control of this. I'm going to do this on Monday. Everything's going to be okay is my mind's telling me. And there's, I want to go swimming. And there's some girl there and she's like, well, I got a lake house. I'm like, cool. I'll go with you. Let's go swimming. So then I'm boom, I'm off to the race. I'm drinking. I'm drunk. I'm not worried about anything going on. I'm just going to go swimming. I'm going to start tomorrow. Well, that night, as you fast forward, it's, it's, it's a tough one to talk about, but we went to, we, we made a, quite a few stops on the way to the lake house. Lake house is 20 minutes away. It took us an hour to get there. Right? just stopping at different places. And going in the bathroom and running water. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Every time I'm going in, I'm still drinking, kind of paying attention. And I'm a known cocaine user. So why would you not give me cocaine? Or why are you running water? And I put two and two together. She's doing heroin. Mm. So at that point, I'm like, at that point, I realized it. I'm like, well, I want to do something. So I start, so we get, I get high, I get high with her. And I know right from wrong, right? I know that I'm, I know that I'm, um, I know that I'm doing wrong. So I'm high. I call one of my friends. Father's Day, I knew he wasn't going to be able to see his kid. I said, hey, go get my truck. Go get something. Come get me. Somewhere inside of that night, it shifted. I don't remember the, the events of the night, but I know this. The next thing I did, I woke up or came to at 2, 3, 4. I don't even remember the time of the morning. And there's my friend that I called to come get me dead mm. on the floor. And I don't know what – I'm trying to breathe life back into him. My life's fucking going chaotic. I'm calling my dad. I don't have a close relationship with going, dude, what do I do? What do I do? The next thing you know, the police are looking at, like they're there and they're, they've got pictures of me. At some point I fell over. My face is bloody, foolish, like full. My life had become like literally a month before that I was a millionaire. Mm. And then all of a sudden here I am doing this. And so he's, so the, the, the chaos ensued. She was able to get a warrant for, or not a warrant. She was able to keep the, keep a, keep them out of the house. They let us go she was whisked out of the country or something. I've never seen or heard from her. I don't know. Cause she had some money and I was left to deal with all these things. So here I am. I lost my company, lost my kid, lost somebody I love, right. Feel the fucking guilt, the depression, everything. I go in a real, real dark, dark spiral, continue to keep using whatever drugs I get my hand on only to find myself again, suicidal, writing the note again to my son. Yeah. This is probably about a month after that. And I heard a voice again, but get up. I said, you know what? I'm going to do something. I got down to my last couple hundred dollars. I had, I still had some, I'm like, I got to do something. People are depending on me, but those people I left behind at the business are waiting for me to make a decision. So we go and I had a guy who lent me a little bit of money. I used some of the, some of the, some of the um, connections I had. And I ended up turning around, turning around a couple hundred dollars into a $6 million, another trucking company. 
So I started that, I started the company with basically nothing, had people that believed in me. I remember having the meetings down at, I was still drinking, right? I was, I mean, no, no bullshit, but I wasn't drinking to the extent that I was, mm. right? I was, I was, it was more like at this point to not be sick. Okay. And finally I made a decision. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get myself clean and sober, but I'd already started building the company. It took me about 12 days to, to completely detox off of that. Um, but all I really did, bro, I mean, you, I looked at some pictures of you and, um, I don't know if this is your case or not, but for me, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fucking focus on my fitness. Yeah. So I went all in on myself um, as I'm building the company. All I really just started doing was the diet was perfect. Life was perfect. Intensity to the workouts, same actions I took to build my life. I took into the gym, added steroids in there, which were fucking not good for me. Right. So I made it and I was just, I mean, I got really shredded. I was in great shape. And uh, so I was able to, I was able to quit the booze, build the company. But all I did was start fucking putting trend in my body and shit. Right. So I'm already a little nuts as it is. Yeah. I was going to say you're, you're, you're talking about, you know, in your early twenties, like you're this angry dude, you love to fight. Like you're out there. Like, um, I don't believe that testosterone or steroids will change a person. Like, I don't think it's going to take somebody that's really, really, I think it emphasizes who you ultimately are. So if you got that little bit of like streak in you, like kind of aggression, it's going to, it's just going to accelerate accelerate that um it, to be to be clear right now i don't to be clear it's all me making a choice it was not that anyways i couldn't mm. control it didn't, i didn't like where my life was right i did i'll take full responsibility for it right now i'm i'm gonna be 40 years old like i said in a month and i i take testosterone shots and 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 growth hormone through a doctor now yeah right just because it's the right way i don't fucking abuse it but i do it because it makes me feel good i'm not afraid to fucking say that mm-hmm. um but so so anyways here's the key the key indicator I, even though i built the money and did built that company up and did all that stuff. I was miserable. That's not what I wanted to do. I was building my uncle's dream, building my uncle's life, trying to make him proud, not living my life. And I'd done a lot of things and the pressure and the stress and the people that were looking up to me that they needed, they were still working for me. I didn't want to be there. Long story short, I was dating this woman at the time who introduced me to, to network marketing. And what I always wanted was to be able to have, be able to pay for, be able to make money off my skills you know, no overhead as much as I wanted. I didn't want that stress. So here I am building a trucking company. All of a sudden I find this, I mean, it was isogenics at the time. Okay. And I go out and I fucking, I destroy it. Like I, I, I could all of a sudden because of my story, the people I know, the network, just making money hand over fist, like the first, I don't know, 30, 60, I don't even know what it was, like $19,000 or something like that, which, mm-hmm. but there was, I didn't have to give a dollar to anybody. Yeah. So I got to keep that. And I'm like, wait, all I got to do is, something I'm passionate about. And long, so long story short, I started doing really, really well at that. The other company I walked away from and that failed. I lost that one, but truthfully, I didn't really lose it. I more gave it away. I just gave up on it. Right. It wasn't like, it wasn't because of the drugs, and alcohol at that time. It was because it fucking, I didn't want to be there. I hated it. So that, that subsided. That's over. I go, I'm doing network marketing. All of a sudden I'm rolling, I'm making money. I'm flying. I'm there having events. And here's what happened. I was getting honored at some dinner in Southern California that I was at because I'd done so well. I was getting to meet these higher ups inside of there. I go to the bathroom in a nice restaurant. I'm taking a piss. And the guy that's in there, the valet says, Hey man, you want some Coke? And it wasn't Coke. It was meth. Crank, whatever speed. Yeah. So I snorted. I snorted it. And then I'm off to the races. After that, after I did that, I don't know. I don't know. Probably guilt and just fucking shame, whatever. But I didn't care what at that moment. Then I was in Southern Sa- in San Diego, Southern California, 
just fucking running amok, uh-huh. like everywhere. Right? And then I carried that back to Wisconsin. So here I am starting a new business, if you will, at that time, that network marketing, doing well, building teams, people relying on me again, doing really, really good at it. And I'm putting on a fake and a front until all of a sudden I realize, hey, you can network inside of bars. Right? I wasn't really drinking. I did drink in San Diego, but I, I had it under control. And once I went back, I'm like, oh, fuck. Now I'm in college town. Now I'm a dad. I've got a son. And I'm, I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, enrolling. All I'm really doing is just saying I'm working, enrolling people, and I'm just drinking all fucking day. So that company, basically, that what I'm doing there, that just crashes and dies. Yeah. And here I am hit rock bottom. And then all the shit from the first company piles on me. From the second company piles on me. The government's back on me. Everything's back on me. And here I am fuck, going fuck. I've now relapsed and I go down a crazy fucking dark hole. And where yeah. 2014, 2015 at this point? This is 2000, probably, well, yeah, about 2000, end of, probably 2014. Yeah, 2014. Okay. Yeah, it was because I started in the car industry on, on November 2014. So it was probably like, it was, I remember Halloween. It was in October that I actually went down. So I would say probably August, September, October, like it was tough. Okay. Yeah. Though that's when things, here I am again, a massive major relapse. Don't give a fuck about anybody, but I'm like hitting rock bottom again. I don't even think hitting rock bottom, just, just painful again, not being a good present dad, not being anything. There's a shitty leader. Anyways, I, um, my son is the most important piece, just so you know, to make it clear. The reason that the comeback is here is because of him. And I'm gonna tell you why in a couple minutes. I'm sorry. I used up a lot of the time for this story, but, um, so I, I, I'd relapse again. I didn't know what to do. I'm at the gym. I got a big old beard, like a fucking disgusting looking beard. Mm-hmm. I had not taken care of myself, but I'm still working out. Right. Cause the, the iron never lies. It's always, it's yeah. always fucking there. For you. And it's, and I'm staring, it's getting cold. I got no money. I can't feed my kid. I haven't seen my kid. I'm staring out the window and I see a car dealership. And I said, man, I got to do something. And I remember a friend of mine who didn't have a drug and alcohol problem, but his business got fucked up and he went into the car industry and he started making six figures i'm like i bet if he can do it i can do it so what i think is i i, I go and i apply for a job okay at a different dealership in a little in a city owned by the same owner but at a different city and i go in and i know these people i bought 27 vehicles from them they wouldn't give me a job at that particular store because they said i'm too close with the manager so i'm like i'm like fuck i can't even be a used car salesman i can't even be a fucking used car salesman this is my life that's the anger is building right so then i go to that dealership that I was looking at out the window and I sit down with the owner's son and he hires me on the spot. Mm. He says, shave your beard, get something clean to wear and be here on Monday. I didn't know anything about selling cars. I lost all my money again. Right. I mean, I was, I was scraping by. <clears throat> Remember two multi-million dollar businesses gone at that time, killing it in isogenics at that time. Mm-hmm. I, everything, just nothing. I'm not one fucking dollar. So I go into here with no expectations except for the fact that I needed a chance. Um, average car sale, car salesman sells eight cars a month. In my first month, I sold 10. Okay. In a fee, in the middle of a cornfield with 8,000 people in Southern Wisconsin going into winter, I sold 10. I went 10, 15, 18, 22, 27. Wow. So by the fifth month, I was selling 27 cars a month. Okay. So that's like April, right around this time, April, May. I'm leaving the Saturday morning meetings with three, four, five thousand $5,000 cash on top of the world. What do you think happens after that? So I, and I'm sober the whole time as I'm doing that. I'm fucking working hard. I'm sober. Next thing you know, I find myself. It may be my 34th birthday going in and, and or almost that birthday. 
I find myself getting drunk, getting fucked up, lying. Drugs are back in my life, living a double life again. And the next month I sold another 27. And by, by coming into my birthday, by that June month, I went into rehab on July, on June 12th. But by June 11th, I'd already sold like 24 cars. Wow. Right. So I, I have a demo uh, from the dealership. I don't, I, my birthday is June 10th, June 11th. They, I, I don't show up for work. June 12th, I'm in rehab. Mm. What happened on June 11th is they went and they found me. They found me drunk. They found me. They said, hey, you're either going to fucking take our help or you're not. So I can go into rehab at this point, this time. So for the first time in my life, I decided to get some real, some professional help. If you will, this, right? this was the first time that you had, you had, had been in a rehab or had any type of help at all. The other times that you yeah. were able to get control of it was just sheer willpower. Well, I had been, I had been court ordered. Yeah, it was all sheer willpower, but I had been court ordered to go to AA. I mean, I got a DUI in California, okay. like all those little things. We didn't go over every detail. I've been in um, AA in Florida, in California, okay. in Illinois. Like I tried all that shit, right? Um, anyways, uh, so I go into this rehab. And I go in on the way. The, the general manager at that time, he lets me stay the night at his house. He makes sure I get there. We pull into the parking lot. I actually made him leave so I could go back and get more shots at the bar because it wasn't fucked up enough. And then we go back in. I blew a .367, and I failed everything on the drug test except for marijuana. So I go in, I do a six day detox. I don't remember much of it. It was, it was chaotic. Um, not even chaotic. I slept probably through most of it and they finally put me into my unit and it was, um, it was a 28 day clinic inside of there. My life on the outside started unraveling issues still from just from my ex-wife, from my, my ex-girlfriend, from my kid, from my brother, from the dealership all this stuff. But I, I stayed clear and I did the 28 day program. I got out in 28 days and I relapsed in six hours. It was July 3rd, right? Going into 4th of July weekend. So July 3rd, I got out. The dealership said, man, you look great. We're glad to have you back. They give me a little bit of money. They give me a keys to a car. I hadn't eaten real food. I stop at a bar to, or at a restaurant bar to have some food. The guy says, Hey man, you want a shot? And I said, no, cause it's 4th of July weekend. I said, no, nah, man, I just got out of rehab. And then, but being kind of like myself, I'm like, yeah, I bet I can get away with it though. I take the shot and the next thing you know, I'm off to the races. I was supposed to start back work on that Monday. For some reason that night I go to the, remember 4th of July, all the dealership guys in the car are together. I show up at a bar I shouldn't fucking be at. Here I am exposed. Lost everything again. Fired from the dealership. They fucking hate me. Want nothing to do with me. My brother wants to kill me. My ex-wife finds out I'm not allowed to see my kid. I hadn't seen him since I've been out of rehab. Everything I cared for, done. I go on, so that was July 3rd, July 4th. I go um, I go through about a nine-day bender, man. I'm coming back and forth from Chicago, bringing drugs back and forth, partying, just not giving a fuck, just ready, just basically just wanted to die. Mm. And uh, my brother comes again and says, hey, get the fuck out of here. Here's a plane ticket. Go down by mom. She lives in Florida. So I fly down, man. I hadn't showered in nine days. Bro. I probably stunk. I feel bad for the person that I feel bad for the person that had to sit next to me on top of the alcohol withdrawals and shit that I was coming through on that plane. I got off the plane. I made my mom take me directly to get some booze. I started drinking again just because I needed it. And um, I was there for a week or two. And here I am. My ex-wife's not let me talk to my kid for right reasons, right? It's rightfully so. Nobody wants nothing to do with me. 
got no money. I'm down in Florida with no friends. Mm. I'm fucking sick as hell because I, I drank myself to that point. And my ex-wife's telling me, you, you should die. You should kill yourself. Um, why don't you uh, write your, sign your rights off to your son? So I start buying into that, thinking that's the right way to do. And I'm about to write the, the rights off to my son. I'm applying for a job as a valet parker at a fucking restaurant bar, mm. drinking still the whole time. Sit down, have a conversation about it. Guy's like, yeah, well, we'll hire you. So I grab a beer. I go out to the ocean. And I'm sitting there thinking about it. And I remember this, bro. The blue and pink sky. If you're ever down, it's in Bonita Springs right in front of Doc's Beach House. It's beautiful. Okay. So the blue and the pink sky. And I'm sitting there and, and you know, I'm drinking a, a drink and I can feel it. And I'm not feeling great. And I heard a voice again said, are you ready to listen to me now? So I got up and I went inside. Because my mom worked at that particular restaurant. I said, I'm going home. I need to get a flight home. I have no money. I need you to get me home. I went home. I flew home. Um, her, her girlfriend and her gathered up some cash, like her, her friend or whatever. They gave me some money. They got me to the airport. I flew home. I was living. I was staying at, couldn't get back in my house. I lost everything. I'm staying at my friend's, th- this friend of mine's couch. I'm, I stole all the wine out of her fucking house and drank it. Um, I had a few bucks on me. My biggest decision of the day, because I would then somehow scavenge it because I was a survivor, was should I buy two bottles of, of booze, buy two bottles of cheap-ass vodka, or one in a chaser, right? Or one in a mixer. Yeah. That was my biggest decision of the day. No food, no nothing. But all along, thinking I'm going to go get this job back. I go to the I, – I, I set up. I get them to listen to me. I'm begging. Just give me, give me a chance. Let me have 10 minutes of your time. I drink a fucking ton of vodka. I go into the dealership, and I put the biggest – display of a lie on life that I could. And they hired, they said, yeah, be back here Monday. But as a matter of fact, we fucking hate you. You owe us back to 20. They paid for rehab. You owe us $27,000 for the rehab. And you get. No help. So fucking good. I went at this and go prove yourself. I said, just give me a chance. I started back on July 27th. I drank all the way up to July 26th. July 27th was the day I started back at work. I walked back into that dealership, shaky, hungover scared not knowing what to do but i had a chance mm. i didn't do anything for the first two three days four days i basically just kind of sat there not even sure what i could do on the fourth day remember i had no leads i had nothing right on the fourth day i used this fucking flip phone i had and i started remembering people i opened up back my opened up a new facebook looked back at some of the stuff and i started calling everybody and i sold a car like within the day or two that made me feel a little bit better Fast forward 90 days. Inside of those 90 days, I had sold 90 cars in 90 days. Wow. I, had start, I, had started, I had started successfully paying back the dealership. I was, I, I, I was sober, white knuckling at that time. I did what I did before. I went to the gym. I prayed. I, I started doing what I knew to do, but I knew that wasn't going to last. From there, I went on to be, not that it matters, but I went on to be the top salesman in the dealership inside of that year. I, even with missing two months from being gone, I, I, had, I made more money. I'd sold more cars than everybody. And um, I started making these videos. I turned, uh, you saw some of them on, on uh, uh, YouTube, but we did one particular video where I sat inside of the dealership and it went semi-viral, mm. right? And people saw it and I shared my story. And then I realized I could help people, not with what I do now, but sell cars. So I created an online business on how to sell 30 cars in 30 days. Okay. Okay. That's what I, so here I am again. I'm like, I'm not an employee. I, I'm back. I'm making 20 grand a month selling cars. Now I'm going to start this fucking business. I'm going to go back. I'm going to get my freedom. 
fast forward into June, I went back in and I, I started doing that business, but I started getting called the comeback kid. People started hearing the story. My following started to get bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then finally what I realized is the people didn't want nothing to do with the cars. Mm. The people that were listening to me want to know how to fix their lives. They want to know how I've been through what I've been through and how I did it. And it's very, very simple. So, so, so just so you know, I haven't touched anything since uh, July 27, 2015. Amazing. No drinks, no drugs. Um, I'm married. I've got two new daughters. Um, they, they came. I, they call my daughters, but it's a, um, a blended family. I've got my son back. Um, I've got my son back. He's upstairs by Fortnite right now. Yeah, um, you have a you have a you have a beautiful family. I mean, I you know, in, in doing the research, uh, right. your wife and, and the wedding and, and the home that you guys recently, I think, moved into. Yep, um, I bought her. A, I bought her a thirty-four acre farm over here. That is awesome. So, so I'll awesome. give you some of the rest. So I haven't touched any alcohol. My life, like I've got a better relationship with everyone around me, including my ex-wife who hated me. Right, like we, it's not great, but but everything got better. Um, I decided to help people. I've successfully helped, like in coaching fashion, close to a thousand men one-on-one get mm. control of their life, control of the alcohol. I've got millions of views on the videos that, that we put out there. Um, I back, I do, I'm back in, in my multiple businesses and things I do. I do multiple uh, seven figures a year again. Um, and my life is fucking amazing. That's, that's, it's, it's incredible, man. And, and, just, just hearing your story and, and, and the places and times that God kind of showed himself to you and continued to be there for you is just, just amazing. You know, I, and I, I want to pick it apart here just a little bit. And, and, I got to say something about that, though. So I do believe in God. Right, so faith in my program, though, means something a little bit differently than the traditional stuff out there. Okay. If you Google faith right now, it'll talk about the religion of it, but also basically say believing in something you can't see. Tell mm. me exactly what it says real quick. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something is definition number one. Definition number two, strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Um, so you more in your coaching, you're more tied into definition number one, complete trust and confidence in something that is not visible. And, and the most important thing, it's complete trust and confidence in your fucking self. Mm. Let's, let's talk about that because... Throughout your story, one thing I see is you running from ownership, you running from really taking control of your actions and the consequences that come with it, you know, with your drinking, with, with the trip to Jamaica, perfect example. You knew at that time I should have probably stayed and focused on the government, the IRS, the taxes, things. You're like, no, I'm going to run away from it. Um, and I think that was, it really trickled throughout the course of that part of your life, but from what I get from you now, from everything that you talk about, from your content, from your coaching. And really, I think the big point in this was when you put that first video on YouTube where you shared your story. That's you taking ownership. So where, where does, call it extreme ownership, I'm a big fan of Jocko Willick. I don't know if you've read his book, but you know, if you call I'm trying it- trying to work a deal to get into it. So one of my clients actually is a real good friend of them. I'm actually trying to do okay. something with those guys. So okay. real, I'm a fan too. Yeah. So, so call it manning up, owning up, taking responsibility, ownership, whatever. Talk about, was there a moment that kind of shifted for you where you got this paradigm shift? You're like, okay, this is, this is what's limited me my entire life. And this is where I need to get go. This is what I need to do now. And then how do you help your guys in, I am a comeback, uh, begin to take ownership of of their responsibility? Because I love what you talk about that. It is us. We're not sick. 
we don't have a disease. No, it's, it's, it's not something that's wrong with you. It's wrong in your decision-making process. So can you talk a little bit on, on the importance of full ownership or extreme ownership? I talk about this shit all fucking day. So here's, so here's, here's the thing though. Sometimes like in my own journey, the epiphany, the moment that you actually have doesn't mean you actually do it right then at that, at that second. Um, that when I was in rehab, mm. I was staring in the mirror, right? The, the, you could see the fucking, my blood pressure was so high. I was beet red. My eyes are yellow. My, my fucking, my world was, this is what I'd become. I'm naked. There's a guy fucking staring at me like orderly. Cause I was, I was intense. Right. Mm. Another dude over there trying to take a shower naked. I mean, it wasn't nice as rehab. And I was for like, I didn't want to look left. I didn't want to look right. And I was forced to look in the mirror. I looked in that mirror. I hated that motherfucker looking back at me. And three words went through my head. Stop fucking lying. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So you want to talk about ownership. That I, even at that moment, I still got out and I relapsed. I still went through that hell. But it was at that moment that I realized, holy shit, I'm a liar. Holy shit, I'm a fraud. Holy shit, I've been running. Holy shit, the, peop- the, the people that love me don't really love me. They fear me. Everything about me is fake. Everything about my life is a lie. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how fucking many girlfriends you had, how many cars you drive. You are a fucking liar. Right? And this, that's mm. not my dream. I'm talking to every man out there. Yeah. When you can take that ownership and say, you, and, and it's not even about lying, the little lies, but knowing that you have more potential to give, the legacy you're trying to leave, everything about you is fucking not hitting its marks. That's extreme ownership. Mm. When, you, when you're not willing to tell a lie, I will not tell a lie, right? Ever again now. And I, everything I did was a lie. My life was a fucking lie. Even, even the words that came out of my mouth were a fucking lie. You said the sky's blue. I told you it's red, right? But that's because that was how chaotic my life was. I will not tell a lie. I will not cheat on my wife. I will not fuck it. If, you're, if a woman tries to even come out of my Facebook um, that is showing too much skin or something like that, I fucking delete her. I, I block. I want nothing to do. No external negativity. I want to be true to who I am. So for the guys out there that are thinking, hey, man, how the fuck do I do something? How do I, how do I get out of this? It's as, it's as simple as saying, I'm done. It's as simple as saying, stop fucking lying. Looking in the mirror, getting out a pen and paper and writing down, who are you? What you want? Why the fuck do you want it? And you can break that down to anything, bro. You can break that down to your drinking. You can break that for you personally. You can break that into your business, into your coaching. And like, listen to what I'm saying. Everything that I do is like discipline is the ultimate freedom. Mm. Period. Right? And the discipline that I have comes from fucking making sure that those non-negotiables, raising the standards and, and, and fucking being true to myself. So extreme ownership comes with making a choice. There's a lot of fucking pussies out there that just won't make the choice. Go on one of my Facebook ads when you get a minute. Look how many, fu- there's thousands, bro. Thousands and thousands of people who want to fight me, who want to talk shit about me, who say they want to fuck my wife. Like it's, it gets pretty fucking dark all because I don't believe what they believe. Because they won't take real ownership. Why? Because it gets difficult. Because mm. we have to look in the mirror and know that you are the one fucking up your life. That you picked up the drink. You can't blame your mom. You can't blame your dad. You can't blame your wife. You can't blame your kids. It's fucking hard. And most men are pussies. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. Um, can, you, can you talk a minute about uh, control? I think, this is a, I think this is a great point to just carry kind of what we're talking about here with with ownership, you use it in, you know, in your branding. It's, it's not you're helping men quit alcohol. It, I, I don't even know your, your real view on addiction and recovery. So maybe talk about kind of how you view these, how you define the terminology, 
but I know you more talk about having control of your alcohol. What it, like, so here's what, con- here's what control isn't. Control isn't saying I'm only going to drink every other weekend. Control isn't saying I'm going to go 120 days without drinking. Control isn't I'm only going to say yeah, I'm going to have three. I'm going to have three instead of ten, right? Or or I'm only going to drink with this friend, not this friend. And those are all things that dudes do. Yeah. Right. Some guys even get down to the point where like, you know what? I'm going to control. I'm only going to drink beer instead of of hard alcohol. Which for some of my clients that actually works. I have one guy that actually works for me with mm-hmm. me that that worked for him. But for most people, like he's like a rare case. For most people, it's not about days, not about amounts, not about numbers. Control is ultimately defining what your future looks like and going and creating it. If you pick a pocket of life that alcohol should fit in, maybe it's a wedding. Maybe it's a vacation. But understand the emotion you're trying to get out of it and be a fucking responsible, grow the fuck up and be a normal person. Control is not about numbers or amounts. It's about memories, thoughts, moments, experiences. It's about being able to pursue the freedom that you want for your life and to choose if you want to drink. So for instance, I've got 34 acres. We're building a tree fort where you can't see it, but it's going to be way out here. When I build that tree fort out there, there's going to come a night. Maybe it's next summer because who knows what's have a quarantine and it's going to be hot. And my wife will go out there. She does drink. And maybe we get in that moment, okay? And we're there. And we got the picnic table laid out. She wants to have a glass of wine or something like that. And I choose to have a glass of wine or because it's 90 fucking degrees, mm-hmm. I choose to have a white claw. Why would I want a white claw? Never had fucking one because five years ago they didn't exist. Or if they did, the marketing wasn't great. I love water and I love, I love booze. So maybe I want to have one at that time. Or one of my friends is a UFC fighter. His name's Clay Guido. I don't know if you ever heard of him or not, but um, he, he likes to, he likes to drink. And he likes to go to bands and he's famous and, and gets to know these people. So maybe we'll go to a party. Maybe we go to an event and say, Hey, here's what's going to happen, bro. We're going to get fucked up tonight. We're going to have a good time. But here's my plan that I'm going to have the next day. I need to make sure I do it. It's about setting limits, knowing who you are and choosing it. Or for instance, bro, for instance, my wedding, I got married August 22nd. I paid open bar on the open bar on the, the, the boat and inside of the fucking whatever, the pavilion thing. Yeah. And I went through my wedding. My, I have friends doing cocaine in the bathroom. They were, they were there, right? Like, I know what's going on. Inside. Like, we're 40 years old, right? You're still doing that shit. I got my wife's out with her girl. She's 28. She's out with her girlfriends and they're dancing. My mom, like, people are drinking and enjoying themselves. And I looked across the room after I gave my speech. And there was nothing in that moment that would have made my life happier, more content, more at peace by adding alcohol to it. Control is not about the drink. It's about yourself. So, so, so what would you say, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't shared a lot here publicly on, on the podcast, a little bit, uh, in episode one, but you and I were talking, uh, kind of off, off camera before, uh, before we hit record. And for me, since the day that I started drinking 15 years old to the point that I stopped at 35, my goal, every time my intent was to get as drunk as possible, as quickly as possible. So for me, as I'm moving forward in my life, I think control for me is 100% saying no, like not allowing out of me. Like, is that in line with your views? Perspectives? Bro, bro. It doesn't matter. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter what the fuck I think. It doesn't. It matters what you think. Yeah. <laughs> right. If that's what, if that's the control for your life. So here's, here's me right now. I do like, I do choose control, but the, the pockets of life for me have not arrived. I'm on a podcast right here. Hoping we're going to help one person. I've got fucking hundreds of text messages right now. People that need me when we get off here mm. and, and clients like, like I don't have any room for a hangover inside my life. So I know that the world that I, I can't, I tell these guys all the time, I can help you get control of your life, but I can't do anything about the fucking hangover. Right. And the hangover is what hurts people. They either fall back or they're, they're unproductive or the guilt sets in. So you've got to be clear on what you want. So for you, Frank, if you, if you, if, if abstinence for you is control, 
it's really it's really not even absolutes because I guarantee the other things that matter inside of there are probably stacked up to what we call the seven S, right? In my fa- in my, my program, faith, finances, family, fitness, future, freedom, and foundation. And your life probably hits on, I'm sure some of those things that if it's not, it's probably hitting on something. It needs to, okay? So don't, control is, is 100% correct. If you want to be absent or anyone out there, don't, you're not fucking sober. You're in control. Dude, I told you, I told you from the beginning how, uh, how much I connected with you. So, so I have, I have five S like I have a kind of the five F pillar, uh, faith, fitness, finance, family, and freedom, freedom being like, what do you do with your time? Um, you know, either it's hobbies, creatives, vacations, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, when, uh, want to kind of, you know, wrap it up with a few, a few more questions here and then we'll kind of bring it to a close and, and, and help people find you if there's something they want to dive, dive more into. Um, on a recent episode I had, I, um, I had Drew Boa, who's a certified pastoral uh, sexual addiction counselor. Um, so, you know, my goal here is to speak more to pornography addiction, but I really think that there's a place, uh, in the world for, for all of these conversations. But in Drew's, Drew's conversation, he talks about the three people that every person needs in recovery in their corner. Um, having an ally, somebody that's a friend, somebody that's can kind of lean into more there just for support than anything. Uh, talks about having a guide. And I think this is where maybe you and I fall as a coach. Um, and then talks about having an expert. So expert would be more of a therapist, a counselor, you know, somebody that's gone through more of an academic uh, learning cycle. What is your take and view on kind of this approach, having an arsenal of people in your corner? Because um, I know you help guys not go through therapy, uh, but where do you think it really falls in, in having the right team in your corner? Um, and, and what is your take on the traditional yeah. path to, to recovery? You know, I, I mean, so, so first and foremost, we say here at the comeback and it starts with me. I don't care how it gets done as long as it gets done, period. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's really like, if you, ha- if you have a problem and you're actually thinking about doing, I have a problem. You probably got a fucking problem. You need to figure out how to fix it, handle it, right. Own it. Um, but as far as the traditional ways, man, um, even if it is AA or something like that, like you look at that, people, they say that's the way to do it. And there's no fucking certified doctors and they're not, they're none of those guys running it. It's a dude that's working at a construction company right now, drinking shitty coffee, piss off at his wife. He's done nothing for the past 27 years. Okay. And, and that, that's it. That's, that's the truth. They're, more often than not, that's the truth. So, but as far as team, if that's your team and that's who you choose, again, mm-hmm. you choose to get your, your help from more fucking power to you. But as far as like, I, I get asked this question, well, Mark, what's your, you know, what's your degrees or what's your background? I said, okay, listen, here's the deal. We could talk about how much these guys, these doctors spent to go to school. I can guarantee you I spent more money on my self-development mm. than they did in their school. Hundreds of thousands. Okay. I can also guarantee you that I lost more money than, they'll, than, than getting real life experience than these guys who don't fucking do it. And I'll also tell you this, I've got doctors, surgeons, like guys who are, come to me for advice. So my, my thought on that is if you need someone to, if that means something to you, great. But I don't think, it, I don't think a, a fucking degree or a, a whatever should, should determine who your team is. I think your team needs to be people that you resonate with. I don't know women. I don't know kids. Like I, I know them, like obviously. I don't know women. I don't know kids. I don't know real super old men. I don't really know young kids. I know men from 30, 35, to 55, 60 years old who are high achievers who want to make something of their life or struggling with drinking. So I stay in my lane mm-hmm. and I talk to nobody else. A hundred percent. I can't tell you the amount of 
people, women, both that are kind of in my personal circle know me, but then also ones that have found me socially. They're like, I love what you're talking about. I love what you're sharing, but why don't you ever talk specifically to women? And it's like, cause I've never been a woman. Like, I don't know how, like I, I can have a conversation, but to really help, like I believe as a coach, as a mentor, like I just need to be a few steps ahead of you. You know, I need to have, have understand where you're at and where it is you're trying to go. You know, I have this saying that I use all the time in order to, to overcome or, or end your fight with pornography addiction. You have to become the person that's no longer addicted to porn. So just like you, I've spent, I mean, you can see behind me. I mean, you can see the full collection here. I have hundreds of books. You know, I've, I've, I've spent 20 plus, 20, 20 plus thousand dollars on coaches, business coaches, mentors. I've attended all the events, flown around the country. You know, I've, I'm, I'm big in the development world. And, and one thing I couldn't really get my, my head around in the last year is why don't people talk in the recovery world, in the, in the addiction recovery world, why don't they speak from a growth-centric mentality? Why don't we use all the tactics and principles that are taught in these books that are given to high achievers and, and to how to grow and accelerate what you're already winning, why don't we use a lot of these same principles for people that are trying to overcome or, or get out of a hole in their life? I believe that that's the best. I, can, I can give you my answer, but it doesn't really mean shit. I can tell you this. Look at the look. Go turn on the news right now. What's driving mm-hmm. the country? Fear. Fear. Right? So if you even go back to like even in, in you know, religion, religion drive, used to drive fear. It still does essentially drive fear to a point, right? Yeah. Fear drives fear, fear. It's that it's the mindset is so ingrained inside of the world that if we dictate you by fear, if we can continue to be afraid, instead of saying, instead of considering what's possible, we're going to show you what happens if you fuck up. Right. And it's, it's really just, you can be one degree to the right or one degree to the left and you're going to get complete different fucking view on it. So I believe that the reason that, and you can't say everybody cause you're doing it. I'm doing it. There's other people like us out yeah. there doing it. We are leading from it. It just means this, that we have not had the time, mm. right? 1935, yeah. when a, we'll just talk about AA. When AA started, they've got how many fucking years on the comeback? Exactly. Yeah. What's going to happen after I die years down the road would be preaching this message. So that's what, that's what I'm talking about, right? So you give me, you give me 80 years, I'm going to tell you where I'm going to fucking be. Awesome. I'm going to be that leader you're talking about. Amen. Amen, brother. No, one, 100%. I, I, I love a quote that I, that I picked up somewhere from you. It's like, you are not powerless. Like you're, you're not sick. You don't have a disease. I mean, I have an incredible book, uh, back here somewhere, unbroken brain. Um, if you haven't read it, I I think you should definitely pick it up, but she, she, she talks about, it's a revolutionary perspective on understanding addiction. You know, the author battled with alcohol, heroin, you know, it's very similar story to yours. And while studying, while going, I don't think she's got her doctorate. I think she maybe has her master's in science, but it's, it's not an addiction. Like you weren't like, you don't go catch addiction. Like you don't walk outside and catch it. Like you catch the coronavirus. Uh, I just just used that analogy last night on the call. It's in her perspective. It's literally, it's a learning disability. You've learned and programmed yourself with a series of habits, routines, and rituals in your life that are destructive in their cause because people can drink and not be a destructive alcoholic. People, I don't agree with it, can partake in recreational drugs and not end up in rehab or relapsing, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's not your disease. And I think that's where you and I connected. So I look at it, I look at it this way. We'll just, we'll talk about the pornography because just to show you how compatible it is, right? The pornography issue and, mm-hmm. and drinking or drugs or whatever. Typically what I find is there's three reasons why somebody will do it and, and yeah. pornography, right? It's a habit. It's a routine you successfully built that maybe makes you feel good. 
right? Or there's something deep rooted at the core where some people are have been molested or something, yeah. something along those lines. Or the third one, you just fucking liked it. Too many people are afraid just to say that they liked it. So, so what happens typically is it's a combination of all three that's, that's driving these forces. And you can apply that to alcohol. You can apply that to porn, mm. whatever it may be. But I guarantee when you look at any, even, even those two things, I know you kind of say you, you talk to this pornography uh, demographic, but most of my guys, this is what happens. Okay. They're, they've lost. So they lost some, they're not in touch with their wives anymore mm-hmm. that it's easier to go downstairs and fu- or upstairs in their house, whatever, find some porn and jerk off instead yeah. of touching that beautiful life while they're drinking. The mm-hmm. difference is they don't, it's which, which came first was the pornography, the problem, or was the drinking, the problem, neither of them were the problem. Neither of those are the problem. Those are the solution to what's going on. Yep. The problem is that they fucking can't connect with their wife anymore for whatever, because it's something inside of them. They're, they're, they're lacking extreme ownership at some place in their life. There's something that they don't have control over and they're scared, fearful to step into it and to face it and to look yourself in the mirror and say, you are less than you are capable of being. You are not the man that you were created to be. And instead of saying, what do I need to do? What work do I need to do? What book do I need to read? What time do I need to spend in the gym? What new skill do I need to learn? It's like, let me drown this feeling either with the alcohol that leads to the pornography or the reverse way. Let me put myself through this pornography, release, get that dopamine hit, and then the guilt, shame, all the feelings that come out of that lead you to drinking to then hide, hide those feelings. So 100%. Let's talk real quick just for a few minutes about I am, I am a comeback. Um, what's the mission behind it? What are, you, what are you guys doing? And then how does a guy know if he's ready to make a comeback? Because I don't think what you're doing is for every guy out there struggling with alcohol or maybe I don't, it is. I don't want it. I don't want everybody. Okay. <laughs> so I, I only want people that, that are going to buy into my ideas. It's easier to lead men. So bro, I got fucking Navy SEALs, doctors, lawyers, pilots billionaires like like these guys all have something in common they're fucking yeah. winners mm. there's 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 two kinds of people in this world there's winners and there's losers i get i catch a lot of shit for that i however i'm going to be a winner i teach my kids that we are winners every day we get up to win um the mission of the comeback is to be the the premier elite men's recovery program in the world elite premier like i'm only targeting people that want to be part of that that's it there's a cost for what we do mm-hmm. there's a team that works behind it i don't believe that anything in life should be free Nothing I do is nothing I do is free, um, except for this podcast, right? Like I literally, I literally just had a conversation with a guy last night uh, that works for me. He said, "Would you do my eulogy if you died?" I said, "Yeah, I would." I probably charge people to listen to me, and th- and it's not not because I'm mad for the money, but just because it's the connection and understanding that your best investment is yourself. So the the comeback, I'm a comeback. Is it's it's built for high achieving dri- driven men, and that's the mission that we're going to serve. Sometimes in my my, you'll understand as you get bigger. You start thinking, well, I can serve this guy and I can serve that guy and I can do this. But th- what that does is it strays away from the mission. And if you know who you're helping and you go looking for those people every day, maybe I only help 50 guys a month, right? But those 50 guys go on. Of those 50, they lead their families. They lead, they lead businesses who lead their families. So those 50 are actually connecting to thousands. Well, yeah, it's it, – it- your previous success in, in, in network marketing, I'm involved in, uh, in some network marketing and understand the concept behind it. So yeah, it's the, 
the compounding uh, effect. Like, don't try to you individually go and help seven billion people. It's the uh, you know it's five degrees of separation. You know, so if you can help fifty, and then each one of those fifty can help only twenty. Think of the thousand, um, and that's and that's that's the goal here too. And um, yeah, I'm I'm I have a background in marketing. I've I've worked behind the scenes on a lot of really big brands, so I understand like identifying you know your blue ocean, getting very clear on on who your niche are. I think that there's definitely some some parallels and crossovers, you know, with you on the alcohol side, and then me trying to help on the pornography side. I'm definitely going after uh, more of a, a higher caliber high, high performance type of, type of individual, uh, because that's who I am. You know, I've started in, in seated and failed just like you never at the degree of success that you died. I haven't done 75 million. Um, I've broken seven figures in, in sales online, but that's who I am. That's I'm, I'm a high achiever. I've, you've seen my bodybuilding photos. Like I'm the dude that's going to get in, put his head down and grind and work. So same thing. I'm trying to, trying to help people. So comeback is for the guy out there that, that wants to succeed or is already succeeding in life, but knows that he doesn't have control of this, this one area. Or su- succeeding and lost his edge a little bit, but typically it's forgot. It, it doesn't matter. I know we talk a lot about money sometimes because that's just the, that's the measuring stick. That's the way to be able to a see success, your success. Right? Yeah. But the truth is we just had a guy enroll while you're on. The, I just saw, I, I get my notifications that come through all around here. And he was on a call last night with us. And he's like, man, I, I don't make as much. I don't own a hundred million dollar business like this guy that he was sitting next to. But I did just I did just hike the, the Appalachian Trail and like a certain amount of time. I'm like, bro, it's that it doesn't matter. Like I I never hiked, hiked the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. But what you have inside is desire, mm. and that's the most important piece. Now, it's easier for me to say who I don't help. I don't help victims. I don't help people who are negative. And I actually have a rule with my team that says I will not take money from pussies. Like that's that's with my team that rolls them, and that is because if they identify with that and they get that in their stomach, then I don't want nothing to do with them. And it's not because I don't want to help them. It's because the problems they do, what they bring into the integrity of the movement, the integrity of the men that I have. These guys back here, like I got a call here in 30 minutes. There's going to be a couple, probably about 100 people on today's call. We have, we have quite a few guys going through, but there'll be at least 100 guys that come through here who fucking from all very, very successful walks of life who bond together. Yeah. So the most important piece is them, not me. It's the mission. It's those guys. It's their families, their lives. So, um, yeah, man, that's what it's about. That's 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 awesome, man. Um, I just I, I want to ask you just 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 one more thing out there right now. You know, as we're as we're wrapping it up, you know, there's a guy. He's hearing this, and he's like, "Man, I, I love Mark. He's brash, bold, to the point. Got everything he's saying. He's maybe at the point where he's realized he doesn't have control and it's time for him to make a decision. I know you talk about the three core beliefs that you had to shift the three, the three beliefs about yourself and your life that you had to change. Can you share with us what those are for that guy out there? That's right now. It's like, he's looking for that starting point, maybe not ready to take the leap and jump on the call, but we can provide him something really kind of actionable right now. What are those three beliefs that you talk about? Uh, so, that you need to change? There's, there's quite a few different beliefs, but the ones that I would have them hone in on is this. Number one, you're not powerless, mm-hmm. right? You need to fucking realize that anything you've done in your life, it takes power to get on a phone. It takes power to download a fucking app, app to listen to this, this call, right? It takes yeah. energy. It takes power. It takes power to go into an AA meeting as well. However, they walk in and say that you're powerless. They don't look at it for what it is. So you need to give up. You need to give up the fact that you're powerless. It's not, that's not your beliefs. The second one is you have to understand you don't have a disease. Just like you said, you cannot walk outside and catch it. And number third, or number third, the third one is you don't truly have to be 100% absent when it comes to this particular situation with drinking. You get control, 
right? That's a big piece. Understand that it's not so black and white. You're not a failure if you fuck up, which should help ease some of the pain and the guilt and the worry. And number four, that it's always your choice. The greatest gift, the greatest power that you possess is the ability to choose. You're going to choose to do something today. You're going to choose not to do something. And that's, and that's, and that comes back down to extreme ownership. So if you're out there right now and you're like, you know what, fuck man, I just, I don't know if I have a problem or I think I have a problem. I'm on the edge. The truth is you need to be real honest with yourself. If you're even hearing what we have to say. If you either caught yourself into our world, there's something not right about your world, <laughs> right? Like, and, 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 and the reality of it, every fucking human being has issues. So it's not like it doesn't make you different. Some motherfuckers eat too much, right? Some guys, some guys <laughs> probably watch too much too, too sports or TV. Like everybody's got their own, their own thing. You happen to struggle with pornography or drinking, but in reality, what it is, you're struggling with lies and you're living a fucking lie. And if you got here, it's as simple as those three words. Stop fucking lying. Take action, extreme ownership, own it up, become the man you were created to be. Mark, man, I can't tell you what a pleasure this was today. Um, where can people learn more about you, the I Am Comeback Movement? What are the best places uh, for people to find you if they want more of you? So um, I think the best thing to do is uh, probably go to IamAComeback.com, which is okay. actually my – so the only way to get into my world, guys, is through an application, right? That's it. Like, it's, <laughs> like you've, got, you've, got to be, you've got to go through a screening process. But if you want to learn a little bit about it, I did just um, launch a book too. It's called um, – it's not a disease. It's a choice. It's on Amazon as well. But I'm also running a funnel, and I'm giving it away right now. for seven ninety five free plus shipping deal, right? There is other things in there to buy, but that would be a great place to do it. Um, but that should be on the website. I'm a comeback.com. If you're on Facebook, um, I've got, I've got the, I'm a comeback page, but in reality, if you want to get a hold of me, go to the Mark Jennison business page. Um, that one's got like 30 something thousand followers on there. I have a guy that watches that daily basis. Okay. Um, for me, it's cause we get a lot of messages inside of there. Plus I look at it sometimes. And then if you, um, and then if you're on Instagram, I mean, there's really no, if you want me, you'll be able to find me. You just got to look like that's awesome. how I leave it. Awesome. Yeah. We'll get, uh, we'll get that link. You said you're giving the book away for free. Just cover the six, cover seven the, bucks cover on, the shipping, cover right? the shipping yeah. on it. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to grab, uh, grab myself a copy of that. Um, and we'll make sure that we link up below for, for everybody that wants to, wants to get that. Um, I'll get dude, you, I'll get you the link for the book from one of my, t- I didn't know they literally, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'll get it for you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you, man. Um, I know you're busy, busy, man. You don't do a lot of this. So I just want to once again, acknowledge you for everything you're doing, for being so open, vulnerable, and transparent uh, with sharing your story. Um, and then really the work that, the work that you're doing, man. I, you know, I, like I said, I, I definitely want to connect again and find out how I can support you. And honestly, I'm going to lean into you a little bit if you're open for that, um, just as I'm kind of starting uh, some of the beginning stages of, of what I'm doing. All right, guys. Well, we we'll appreciate you guys once again for tuning into Supreme and Live. Mark, it's been such a pleasure. If you guys enjoyed what you got here today, obviously make sure to give Mark a follow. Check out I Am A Comeback. And as we always do, guys, this podcast is 100% free. We're not taking on sponsorships. We're not producing any money off of this. It actually cost me uh, a little bit to, to produce each and every single episode. So the only thing that I ask is if you did find value in this episode and it helped you, if you know it can help somebody in your life, do us these two things. Share the episode. Um, and if you have not done so yet, make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. But other than that, guys, we appreciate you so much. Speaking for Mark, Frank, Superman Life, God bless you, and we love you all.